What's going on? What's going on, everybody? It is the only sports podcast. That's right, the only sports podcast. I'm Will. That's Casino over there. That's me. How we doing today, Casino, on this beautiful, beautiful Tuesday? Pretty good. Trying to figure out how to place my damn computer, considering, like, you made it to where it's here. So, like, do I go here and I lose some of, like, the good light? Or do I go here so it Mm. looks weird in the corner with the crease thingy? I don't know. It's been throwing me off for the last three, four episodes. Yeah. I mean, my, my my suggestion was more skin. So I don't even care what you show, just as long as it's more of your body. I mean, yeah, that's clavicle. what the people want to see. The <laughs> yeah, that oh, white, yeah. white, creamy body. Mm. Uh, but we are here today to oh, talk, man. of course, about Wild Card Weekend. I will not call it Super Wild Card Weekend because I don't know why we started calling it that this year. And uh, no, it's because it went the extra weekend. day. Yeah, uh, just apparently just rescheduling one game and making a Monday night game makes it super. But we're talking about super and regular wild card. Uh, if you go to our YouTube channel, uh, YouTube, I gotta exclusive. check it out. I gotta check it out still. <laughs> I did it. I didn't even plan for this. Uh, last night after the game, I was so uh, just. I had so much to say about the Eagles game? Buccaneers games. Oh, yeah. Obviously, because I'm an Eagles fan. So I did 31 minutes on the dot uh, about just everything Eagles related that game, the season, just a recap of basically my sadness. Uh, But I wasn't even really sad. I was more mad. And even today, in retrospect, I'm not so much sad as it just feels like a missed opportunity. But we will... So go check out that game. Obviously, me and Casino will talk about that game when we get to it. But we're going to go in order. And before we do that, Casino, our picks, you, uh, your Packers-Cowboy pick was the difference in winning the week or losing the week because we had every That doesn't mean we did good in the picks, though. Oh, no. We did absolutely awful. So for you, you had... Three correct picks, obviously the only one different being Cowboys Packers, which means I had two. So I think, you know what, before we get to that game, let's talk about, I think, what was one of the least interesting games and also one I don't think, I think in retrospect, we were fools to both pick the Miami Dolphins. Yeah. So the Dolphins lose 7-26 to in Kansas City. Uh, yeah, they didn't have to they didn't seven. have Waddle. They missed. They had a whole hundred people out, and I don't know. I was just trying to be hopeful because I'm over the Chiefs. Yeah, uh, Patrick Mahomes, twenty three for forty one, two sixty two, one touchdown. Uh, Pacheco, twenty four carries, eighty nine yards, one touchdown, and then Rashid Rice uh, emerging as the number one wide receiver in KC. Good for him though, because he started to like the last few weeks, and I'm like. All right, they got they finally got somebody that's like, oh, I I, I guess I could catch the football. Yeah, well, and him. that I mean that entire offense now runs through Rashid Rice and Travis Kelsey, evident by the targets. I Rashid would say Rashid Rice, over Kelsey. Well, Rashid Rice was targeted twelve times. Kelsey was targeted ten, and the next closest person was McCole uh, Mikol Hardman, who was targeted three times, only caught one reception for three yards. So basically. Mahomes threw the ball 41 times. 22 of those times were either to Rice or Kelsey, which is kind of how this 
it used to be Tyreek Hill and Kelsey. This is kind of always how this chief offense has just run their offense, right? Which is just get Patrick Mahomes time to find one or two targets. Uh, get Patrick Mahomes time or let the refs give Patrick Mahomes time. <laughs> Dude, there was, uh, again, and then, so many, so many missed holds, man. Ridiculous. Oh, I mean, we'll get to that on uh, on the Monday night game. But, I mean, the officiating, Ugh. shockingly also bad in the playoffs as it was at the regular season. But you and I were both picking Miami more out of hope than out of actually thinking they would win. Uh, if you're the Miami Dolphins casino, let's talk about them first. Where yes. do you go from this with Tua Tungavailoa and this team that – showed up every week unless they were playing a good team and then they got basically boat raced. Uh, I don't think it's Tua. I think he remember I've I've always been like right on the border with him. Um but he stayed healthy. He had a decent season. I know this game wasn't that great. Um but you got to think of this though with Tua he, he he's from warm weather. He plays in warm weather and he went up to one of the coldest games in NFL history. Like he's not going to be a hundred percent. Yeah. Plus he, he was missing some weapons and I mean, that's not try not to give him too many excuses here. Um, but I, I think for the dolphins, it's more, they need to protect. They need to give to a little more time, I think. Um, and get, get him some people that can actually catch the ball and, and, Hmm. Where I'm trying to say, like, so for the Chiefs players, like you have Kelsey, obviously he catches the ball and then he is just running through people, this and that. You need, you need a power guy. There we go. You need a power guy. Um, I don't think they really have it on that team. So I think, I think the team's fine. I think they're going to have another decent year next year as long as they stay healthy. Yeah, I also agree that the context of this game is kind of missing when now all of a sudden the sports media landscape is now just 100% anti-Tua and like he'll never win the Dolphins anything, blah, blah, blah. No, and it's, it's all like, overreactions and it's it's outrageous actually. Yeah, and it's like you realize this was one of the coldest games in NFL history. And again, we talk about like, oh, well, the Chiefs, played fine in it and all this kind of stuff. But it's also like, yeah, they were also the home team. And besides one home team this weekend, every home team won handily, like at their home stadium. So you're telling me if this same game was played in Miami where the Dolphins were the home favorite, that this score would also be 26 to 7? I mean, maybe, but also these teams played earlier this season and it was a one-score game. So Credit to the Chiefs for playing what I thought I was a damn good game. I don't give them credit. <laughs> In, uh, you know, freezing conditions. But when it comes to the Dolphins, I think Tua, Mike McDaniels, Hill, obviously their rushing attack all season. I think there was, and then obviously their defense was a huge step up from what it was last year. So you have a Dolphins team well, where yeah, all the was pieces are there. Waddle yeah. was in this game, but he was he wasn't a hundred percent. That's what it was. Yeah. So then you have uh, maybe the best or one of the best offenses in the entire league. Obviously, Tua makes that go with his accuracy and his ability to get the ball out quick. So going forward, like 
you just be a better version of this team and you were already an 11 win team where if one or two games uh especially against the bills would have went different you were the two seed so yeah. i and feel then you like, don't know how things could have shaped out then you know yeah so to just do this thing where like the media is like we need to get two out of there so you want this team to just restart with a rookie quarterback for what reason they're not a rebuilding team they're already built no because it, it's back at that notion where it's I I absolutely hate this where most teams, they don't give you more than a year and a half, two years tops. Like that's insane to me. Like absolutely insane. It takes time to rebuild and develop a team and to find the pieces you need. Like it's, it's absolutely insane to me that a lot of coaches get in and get out right away. A lot of players get in quarterbacks, especially get in, get out. Yeah. Not on their own accord. And it, it's sickening. Like all these owners want them to win. GMs want them to win and win now. It's like that's not how this works. You're not. You're not just going to go out there and magically. Like even when the Chiefs did, they they got Mahomes, but it took him a little bit, not too long. But you know, he rode a bench a little bit. Like it, it's not going to all of a sudden just click. It's yes. not going to do that. Like you have to build. You have to build. And a great example of that, and we're going to get to it, is Green Bay. You have to build. Like, it, it's it's insane. Uh, well, uh, let's talk about the Chiefs now, Casino. <sighs> the only thing standing in their way from yet another trip to the Super Bowl is the Buffalo Bills next week, and then either the Baltimore Ravens or the Texans uh, the in the AFC Championship I don't think they beat any of those teams. Really? So you're picking them to lose a next I week would against pick them, the Bills? I would pick them to lose against the Bills. I'd pick them lose against the Texans, and I'd pick them lose against the Ravens. Interesting. I can't see this team, this team, I can't see this team going out there and beating those three teams. Well, I think uh, next week, and then obviously on next show, we'll talk about the upcoming matchups more than we are right now. But to touch on the upcoming games, I mean, Buffalo, Buffalo's entire legacy for the past, well, pretty much for the Josh Allen era, has basically been boiled down to Bills versus Chiefs. And then, you know, the 20s, what was it, seven seconds at the end of that game, they should have yeah. won that they ended up losing. And then the rules got changed, blah, 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 blah. So Josh Allen right now, and this Bills team, Sean McDermott, everybody on this Bills staff is defined by that moment, right? So that's why whenever the Bills and Chiefs play, it's always in Kansas City. It's always a big deal. And when you look at... I saw one of the graphics on uh, on one of the various sports shows on TV, but it was these guys when they play each other are basically identical and they have the same record. I believe they're each three and three. So this is the perfect, you know, in it's in Buffalo. So now you're the home team. You have Kansas City, a team you've already beat coming into your house. And then this is basically to beat the tiebreaker where all of a sudden, you know, you're going into an AFC championship game where you're playing either an overachieving Texans team or a Ravens team that until we see them this week has never done anything in the playoffs with Lamar Jackson. So Mm -hmm. this feels like 
the best shot besides that 27 second game the Bills have ever had, which is a team you've already beat and then two unknowns who are overachieving and then a team we've never seen do anything in the playoffs. So if you're a Buffalo Bills fan, you have to be like, the Chiefs are the last. You get another, op- you get another home game. Like that's just yeah. right there is is great. You they have to go through you now. The Chiefs yes. have to go through you. It's not an arrowhead. It's not it's not an arrowhead. It is in Buffalo. Good fucking luck. <laughs> uh, and but I want to see us I want to see a snowball hit Travis Kelsey in the face so bad. <laughs> you have no the, idea. The Chiefs hate is palpable, uh, but I agree with you. I just want <laughs> Dude, and we'll get to this when we talk about next week's games with the 49ers and all that stuff. Just please, like, looking at the teams left, let it be any combination of two teams besides the Chiefs and the 49ers. Dude. Everything else would just be a shot in the arm. Just, just the Chiefs and the Niners, I doubt I'll watch that game. Oh, my God. Like, I, I mean, just there, don't there would be one. It. There would be literally one person that I would be rooting for in both of those teams, and that would be Purdy just because <laughs> – Everybody gives him shit, and I think he's a damn good quarterback. Yeah, uh, but let's segu casino oh, to God, the. I new... love the segu; it's so good. <laughs> to the I mean, other, we need we we seriously need to make a dish and eat it on this podcast, and we'll just call it segu. I don't care. Or segu. we that could be our first T-shirt for the only sports podcast segu. Segu. Um, <laughs> let's, let's talk about the I know other a t-shirt guy. I know a couple T-shirts guys. <laughs> hey. I can get that done. Uh, let's talk about the other Saturday game casino. And that is of course the Cleveland Browns losing uh, 45 to 14 against okay. the 10 and seven. Well, Houston. Let me Texas. just start here. So we both picked the Browns, but we both said that we wouldn't be shocked if Texans could upset this game. Yeah. I didn't expect it to be a blowout. No. I did not expect it to be this big of an ass kicking. <laughs> I'm all for it. CJ Shroud was fucking amazing. Flacco, there's a reason why you're done. But dude, I am I am so impressed with CJ Stroud. And he didn't even throw that throw that much, but he protected the football. The, the team played very well as he directed the team. And absolutely phenomenal. Well, also when you're when you as the Texans are gifted back-to-back pick sixes. Like yeah. I mean, you there's no you can look at NFL history. There has never been a game where the opposing quarterback has gifted you two pick sixes and you have lost. I have. I didn't look that up. I don't have that pulled up. I would guarantee that has never happened where a team has thrown two pick sixes and still won that game. But right. really the I, story of this game was how this Browns defense, so many stats, so many analysts, so crumbled. many everything – just saying this is one of the best defenses in NFL history. And then all of a sudden they meet a rookie quarterback, which I feel like is an, an, like being underreported on that. This is a rookie quarterback yeah, on a first team that year. Picked third first last year in year. the NFL. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. First year. Like this, uh, it's not even like a love situation where he had time to develop. Like this is, he's fresh to the NFL. <laughs> this is like and, a freshman quarterback in college winning the national title. Yeah. And also like their weapons. It's not like, you know, like we just talked about a Patrick Mahomes. It's not like where this was an already built team. And then you slide a rookie quarterback into it. Their only known 
weapon going into this season was Dalton Schultz. That's it. And then they had their running back, uh, uh, Damian Pierce, who in this game had three carries for zero yards. Schultz had one reception for 37 yards and a touchdown. Like everybody else was an unknown, a midseason pickup. They got Singletary and now uh, like in the middle of the season, or I believe he was already on the team or something, but he is now their lead back. But really the story is CJ Stroud, 16 for 21 274 yards, three touchdowns. That's only on 16 completions to get 274 <laughs> I yards. <know. laughs> and the, bombs, I think dude. the the craziest thing about this, obviously no turnovers, no fumbles, no interceptions, no anything, no sacks. This yeah, Browns that was team, impressive. Uh, what is it? Allowed zero sacks. It never felt like CJ Stroud was even hurried. Like he literally just stand in the pocket, stood in the pocket, and just dealt. Like it, dude, that, and that was and we we talked about it on that one bomb of a throw. He just flicked his wrist. Just flicked yeah. it. He just flicked his wrist. Like he didn't he didn't throw his hips into it. He didn't turn his body. He was just like, oh, Patrick Mahomes, who throwing a football out of the stadium? Who? What? Nah, here you go. Here's ninety yards down the damn field or whatever it was. It was like I don't remember. It was like. 65 70 yards or whatever it was it was like in yeah. the air it was insane it was so fast that the cameraman almost like missed oh my- it like <laughs> yeah. it was just like you just saw like well, the ball- he didn't know where the ball was. like he's like <laughs> yeah. he's, he's look the cameraman was literally just like um where's the ball and like it has it was so fast it has so much hang time up there that he was confused he was like there's no way the ball made it that far yeah and then Obviously, uh, awesome. Joe Flacco, great story this season, uh, but we knew going into this game, and I'm pretty sure we mentioned it, that he is going to be a quarterback who's going to turn the ball over, and mm-hmm. you're hoping that either your defense is good enough or Flacco for the rest of the game is good enough to win the game, but his two pick sixes were really the two scores that obviously broke this game wide open, and then the Browns were never able to mount a comeback also Flacco gets sacked twice the Texans were I mean that crowd was electric they were oh dude they're excited they got to host a playoff game man after the year before being the second worst team in the league they could have been the first if they didn't win that stupid game at the end of the year when you and I both were like why what the the fuck are you doing you could have had the number one which you know is wild because if they did do you think they would have picked CJ Stroud or Bryce Young I think about that constantly. Uh, yeah, I mean that's true, but just the cards as they fell. Uh, the Texans are going to Baltimore next week, where I, I think Baltimore think better watch out. They have a real shot to win. I mean, if again the Browns were the number one defense and just got carved up for you, take away the two pick sixes, C.J. Stroud was still untouched and had three touchdowns with a perfect passer rating in the game or an almost perfect pass almost rating. perfect passer rating i sent you the one where it was um him in love yes him in love uh if i'll pull that up right now eerily similar they ended eerily, up it both was two fucking yards were different yeah two yards difference but both of them ended with a passer rating of 157.2 i believe Insane. the perfect one 
is 158 point something. So yeah, literally a couple percentage points against a a perfect pass rating again against the number one defense in the league, which I think is for a rookie is maybe one of the most impressive feats we've ever seen, which yeah. you have to feel bad. And we're going to talk about them in a second, but you have to feel bad for Puka Nakua, who is having like one of the best, if not the best rookie uh, wide receiving. No, uh, it, it is it, like, it's in the ever. books. Like you, I mean, but you know, you're going to go off of regular season, um, which is going to be very close regardless, but watching both of them play because Puka is insane, but Regular season, he had the most receptions by a rookie and then the most uh, yards by a rookie. And then uh, he just broke another one. He broke uh, a DK Metcalf record for the playoffs as well. I think it was yeah. most yard most yards in a single game. He had like 186 yards or something like that. Uh, he had nine receptions, 181 yards, and one 80. touchdown. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's that's insane. And so that beat DK Metcalf's uh, rookie playoff performance as well kids great which the only re the only way you can feel bad for him after having such a great season is all that's going to be overshadowed because cj stroud is going to win offensive rookie of the year and be the rookie everybody's talking about even though what uh puka nakua did is nothing short of like like you just said like the best not of not of the past couple years the best ever in Ever. NFL history for <laughs> rookie wide wide receiver, yeah. Also, Broke two I different found records out, and then beat a record in the playoffs. Uh, you know our uh, my wife's friend George. He was at mm-hmm. our wedding. Mm-hmm. Uh, went to school with this guy and his brothers, so he like knows this whole family and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, he was telling me stories about them and stuff. So shout out to George. Uh, but let's talk about, uh, that game casino. Let's do the Sunday night game. And then the Sunday day game, just like we did the Saturday games, uh, the Detroit lions in at home game. It it was everything that I wanted. It was everything Uh, that I wanted in a playoff game, dude. They win 24 to 23 in Detroit. That place was rocking. There were people crying in the stands. Everybody's freaking out. I was getting emotion. Like I wasn't emotional like during the game or anything, but like afterwards, and then they just kept panning to all these, all these fans in the crowd, just like absolute bawling, like grown men and women. Just, yeah. I'm like, you know what? I, that's why I related to these fans and I never relate to the Dallas or 49ers fans where they show them in the stands and they're crying after losses. I've never cried after a football loss. The only time I've ever cried at a football game was a football win. Fuck so off. I get crying at wins because you're so happy. If you cry at losses, you're a bitch. I'm just going <laughs> to say that now. <laughs> like I just, I, that's how I've always felt. But, uh, For the Rams and the Lions, let's talk about the Lions first casino. Jared Goff, 22 for 27, 277, one touchdown. Montgomery and Gibbs both had rushing touchdowns. And then Amon Ross, St. Brown, seven receptions, 110 yards. Uh, If I was – go for it. What were you going to say? I was going to say only touchdown coming from uh, Sam Laporta, who was a game time decision after being injured last week. He was in not featured as much as he usually is, but he did catch the one touchdown. So thoughts on this Lions team casino before we talk about the Rams. Uh, Their offense is legit. I mean, 22 for 27 is 
absolutely stellar. Fan-fucking-tastic. Jared Goff, he wanted to win this game so bad. Um, but I did love that that reception to Laporta. That was, you have a previous Rams player and a previous Rams player scoring against them. Like, that made me so happy. It was a big fuck you to the Rams organization. Oh, <laughs> that the game couldn't have started off any better for that was with, with those two scoring together, hooking up. Um, but I do want to say how in the fuck, and I, I don't normally give a shit about snubs for pro bowls and this and that, I, or, um, the and all-star games or whatever, for whatever game, uh, leagues. But how did, how did St. Brown not get on that fucking pro bowl team? I don't understand it. I, I again, I don't, I don't know. And it's plus. Dude, well, he, did you see the one, the, the one where like he gets the ball and like the guy tries to tackle him and he just like throws him. He pulled like a Gronkowski move, put his head down, <laughs> threw him off, broke the next tackle. And I'm like, he's angry. This guy is fucking <laughs> angry right now, dude. He had. 1,515 oh. yards, 10 touchdowns, uh, 119 receptions. Uh, every year he has gotten more receptions, more yards, and then more Dude, touchdowns. I don't know how Amon Ross Brown did not. Like that, this snub after watching even this game, I'm like, just how? Just how? Like what yeah. was what? I just don't get it. I don't get it. I love this Rams team. Jared Goff was passing the ball to everybody. Um, I, I loved it. I I can't get enough of how well this Rams team played. Well, now was, your Super Bowl pick casino with the uh, opponents it. I love in it. front of them being next week they're playing the Bucks, and then it's either the Packers or 49ers. How confident are you that the Lions will reach the Super Bowl? I'm up to like a good, and this is being, you know, realistic. I'm probably a good 36%. Oh, wow. Okay. That yeah. is... No, I mean, because, I mean, the, I know Tampa just won and they were looking good, but, I mean, they played the Eagles, which, you know, we'll talk about that game. Um, I know and I you already, already did, did rant about for 30 yeah. minutes. Um, so we won't touch on it too much, but it, it, it's still the Bucks. They're not playing at home. They have to go into Detroit. You know Detroit's not going to be like, okay, this is the Bucks are playing good. We'll watch out for them, but... I don't think the Bucs can stop this offense at all. Even if, you know, the Detroit mediocre defense, you know, lets them score a few, there's no, I just can't see, I just can't see Jared Goff being outplayed by Baker Mayfield, even though Baker's having a great year and a great postseason already. I, I just can't, I couldn't see it. I won't be able to see it. Well, the um, pathway, as we just mentioned, is Bucks this weekend, which they already played um on October 15th the Lions won 20 to 6 and then if the Packers pull another upset and beat the 49ers the I've Lions been... have beat the Packers twice this or no the Packers beat them once 22 once. to 19 in November mm-hmm. and then the Lions beat the Packers in September so it would be the rubber match uh they have not played the 49ers uh this season so but again, what needs to be mentioned is if the Packers pull off the uh, upset and beat the 49ers, that means the Packers would have to go to Detroit. I would right? love it. And play an NFC championship in that kind of atmosphere. I think, again. Oh, I, I literally just got chills. Like, could yeah. you imagine? Oh, wow, dude. Yeah. 
could you imagine the Packers who are having a great time and you know they're they're they just knocked off the Cowboys great game going into Detroit and just that place might erupt like it that's that's gonna that would be insane I'm rooting for that obviously because I don't want the Niners in but how great would that be Packers Detroit two teams that people were like yeah you know eh, and yeah. Jordan Love he kind of sucks I mean and then everybody's like the Lions they've got to prove it to me well I'm yeah. all for it that would be I mean, so great this point has been made a million times by the time people listen to this podcast but it's still crazy enough that we have to reiterate it the four quarterbacks who are about to have a chance to go to the Super Bowl in the NFC are Jared Goff Baker Mayfield uh what is it Jordan Love and Brock Purdy dude like if you would have had those so good. four that's so NFC good. quarterbacks <laughs> as the four <laughs> options to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl uh, at the beginning of the season if you would have bet that if there was a bet to do that you to could get, have to bet, hit all four of those yes yeah you could have bet ten dollars to win a million well because I mean because there'd the be thing. no I, shot I, I mean, two of them are realistic. You have the Niners with Purdy. You know, we we know how that story goes. You know, they got he got hurt last season in the playoffs right at the beginning, so we didn't really get to see what he could do. But we know that he could get them there, and he did. Uh, and then Goff, we know he's a good quarterback. He's reached a Super Bowl before, so you have two right there. But picking Love and Mayfield? <laughs> well, because remember, at the beginning of the preseason, there was a real conversation. Is it going to be Kyle Trask or Baker Mayfield in Tampa right. Bay? Like, that was a real discussion. And with Love, it was, will this guy even make it to midseason before they try other options? Like, is this guy even the guy? Yeah. So to pick those oh, two, man. I feel like that's so, why the odds anyway, are So to go back, go back to this game, um, we'll go back to this game. Um, we'll move over to the Rams side. You know, Stafford, he didn't have a horrible game. He played pretty, pretty all right, man. Did uh, you see the video where he got knocked to the ground and everybody was saying he had a concussion and then that's mm-hmm. why he did the NFL player thing where he stood up and was grabbing his ribs because he knew if he grabbed his head, they would keep him out the rest of the game. I mean, it makes sense. But if he had a, if he really had a concussion, do you think he would have been cognitively and cognitive enough to you know what i'm trying to say that fucking word yes uh, but there is a close-up camera of him laying on the ground and you can see you know the days look in his eye and then i feel like there was enough time between that to him standing up to be like i don't want to get out of the game i think it was more instinct than anything especially for a guy like stafford who's had his bell rung many times and has had you know uh, been kind of injury prone throughout a season but regardless still finished 25 for 36 365 two touchdowns I thought he had an absolutely fantastic game oh yeah like, no he 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 these two quarterbacks wanted to win this game more than anything I fucking yeah. loved it I loved it. it was everything I expected in this game everything I was pushing for in this game um, by the way, remember how I wanted the NFC to play out like going into wildcard weekend and it played out that way. Yes. I'm very fucking happy. I'm, <laughs> I'm so happy um, how this worked out and uh, last couple of touches on this game. So yeah, Puka Nakua can't talk enough about him. Nine receptions, 181 yards touchdown. <sighs> Brilliant. Um, Cooper cup though. I mean, five receptions, 27, 27 yards. He's, you know, okay. 
you know, Cooper Cup from last year. What? <laughs> year? what? Um, and then I don't remember which player it was, but um, for the Rams, but the dude's leg almost getting snapped off. The what? The 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 tackle that like hit the dude's leg and it like bent and almost snapped off. Looking. Oh, it was. I believe it was. It was Higby, wasn't it? The I think the it Rams may have been Ty- yeah, tight Tyler end. Hig- yeah, Tyler Higby, dude. Oh, that Again, that was one of the that, most painful looking. Well, that was one of the most painful looking hits I've seen in a good while. And I can't remember who said it, but a football player online went like viral for being like, "This is basically what happens when you try to dictate the small area on a football player the defensive player is allowed to tackle because you go too high, it's a penalty, and you probably get ejected from the game." Right. If you go low, it's a legal tackle, but it's more uh it's more detrimental to the player you're tackling yeah. because again, um, you're getting tackled at the knees. I was listening to sports radio and I don't remember who it was um or who said it to them. Um, but the guy basically was like, you know, I've asked a, a ton of people, um, wide receivers, tight ends, everything, which play would you rather have outlawed in the game? The high hit, uh the high hit towards the head, the, the shoulder area, or the legs. And every single player said legs. They they will take the gamble of getting hit high. They don't want their legs snapped in half. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but for the uh, Rams, it'll be interesting to see what they do in the offseason with Stafford and kind of trying to rebuild this defense, especially with, you know, not having uh, draft picks and cap and all that kind of, and working around that. So that'll be an interesting team. Let's briefly, because I don't really think there's anything to talk about with this game, Casino. Let's briefly jump to Monday and we'll talk about the Bills Steelers. Kind of what everybody expected. It was a little bit closer in the middle than I thought it would be, but still it ends up being 31-17. Bills over Steelers. Uh yeah, Mason Rudolph, not a bad game, especially for going into Buffalo where the game was postponed because of snowfall and because of a travel ban and all that kind of stuff. Mason Rudolph, 22 for 39, 229, two touchdowns, one interception. But Josh Allen, 21 for 30, 203 yards, three touchdowns, also rushed for 74 yards and a touchdown, had that great 53-yard run where just none of the Steelers even attempted to tackle him. Uh, thoughts on this game briefly because we're uh, running out of time and I want to get to yeah. the other two. But, uh, um, yeah, thoughts No, on this, this is one, kind of what know. we expected. Um, only My only concern um, with Bills going forward is their punter. Um, looks like he hurt his leg, his hamstring, when he was trying to chase down the Steelers player. Um who blocked so, his punt. Yeah. Yeah. So I, uh, that worries me because we, you need him to be a hundred percent going into next week. So, well, especially when field position is probably going to matter a lot, especially a against lot. the chiefs. Yep. Yeah. So uh, that that's concerning. Um, I don't know what they're going to do with that, but besides that, the bills, I mean, I said that my, we both did blow out of the week, um, of the weekend. So, wasn't super shocked there. 
Now, and this was, again, this is the one everybody wanted. Uh, we didn't, we were kind of hesitant to be like, oh, I want to see Bill or Browns Ravens again, or I want to see Browns play anybody, even though we like the Browns. But now all of a sudden you look at the divisional round and it's Chiefs Bills in a div- or in Buffalo, which everybody wants to see. And then it's all of a sudden the funnest, the most fun team to watch in the playoffs, the Texans, Texans. going to Baltimore to play the, team the Ravens. That's expected to win the whole Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, and now that's, that's a great, great on the AFC. Now on the NFC, let's go back to the Sunday morning game, the shock of the week casino. Uh not that the Packers won, but in the way that they won, uh the Packers win 48 to 32 in Dallas, the only uh game where the home team lost, which just warms my little hateful heart. Uh, this is Jordan love. I mean, we just talked about it. Almost a perfect pass rating 16 for of 21 272, three touchdowns, Aaron Jones, 21 carries 118 yards, three touchdowns. And then Romeo Dobbs, six receptions, 151 yards, one touchdown. They couldn't stop him. They could not stop Dobbs. Packers put up 27 points going into halftime, put up another 14 in the third quarter, and then spent almost half the game just trying to run out the clock. Yeah. Like they put so in their back. I wanna, so I'm crazy. glad you said that because I wanted to ask you something here. Um, so as you said, they were blowing them out. Um, but then do you like the call of pulling Love, pulling Jones um, in that fourth? where Dallas, they scored 16 points um, and, you know, they made it a two possession game with them driving and they got all the way down to their 30 with like three minutes to go. That I mean, we've seen that before. I have personally with the, you know, the Patriots and Falcons where you get that quick touchdown you get the two point conversion, you get a yep. stop or onside. It could happen. Do you like the call that they did that? And, or do you think they should have, kept him in there and put the throttle down and just got out of there. Well, I, I love the aggressiveness in the, uh, the first half. I loved how aggressive they were. I love, Oh, I will uh, get to that too. I want, but I want to ask you this from, from the get go. Um, I am okay with it, even though when it was happening, obviously I'm, I wanted the Packers to win because I'm an Eagles fan. I hate the Cowboys. Uh, when it was happening, I was nervous because again, Dak Prescott, 41 for 60, 403 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions, almost 350 of those yards were in garbage time. Like before that, I mean, the, the, I believe at halftime he had one touchdown, two interceptions and like a hundred yards. Right. So he's a perfect stat padding quarterback and the literal definition of the argument that stats don't matter because his numbers are so inflated in these type of games because he's great against a prevent defense, which I feel like that's the issue I had with it. The prevent defense has never worked ever, right? It's just a tactic used to make somebody dink and dunk down the field to run out the clock. So I wish on the Packers side, I get taking your offense out because you're just trying to burn the clock and you, and God forbid something happens to Aaron Jones or Jordan Love. And then you as the coaching staff and GM and owner are going to be asked, especially if then you lose that game, like 
why did, or especially if you win that game and then you're going to the next round and one of your star players is hurt and you were winning by three touchdowns, like why was he still in there? So I get that on the defensive side. Why wasn't you, why weren't you just playing the same defense you've been playing all game that was working? I don't understand the switch to, well, now we have to go to a prevent defense. Yeah, to unless run up the you clock are, on defense. that doesn't make sense. Unless you are a coach of a defensive caliber, like a Belichick, um, where you, you've made a career with your defenses on the bend don't break quality. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know how to run the clock. You know how to play it where, yes, they get five or seven yards at a time, but when it matters, they're not getting anything. So I I, I, I was worried about that. I even called you, and you're like, oh, no, they're fine. And I'm like, ah, yeah, I'm worried. <laughs> and as soon as we hung up, the game was over, and I was like, okay. Um, but going back to what you said, and this was this – was, Honestly, the best part of the game for me was the very first possession. Green Bay wins the toss. They decide, yo, we're going to take the ball. We're not going to defer because Dallas has been the best first quarter um, scoring team, best first quarter offensive team in the league all season. They said, we're not going to give Dallas at home the ball first. Fuck you. Fuck that. We're going to go down. (laughs) We're going to score. And we're going to put the pressure on fucking Dallas. And they did that. That first drive, that call to take the ball and not defer was, I think, the stamp of the game. And when I when they went down and scored that first touchdown, I go, I, I even told Brittany, my wife, I looked over, I'm like, this is over. Like, they just rattled that in, not just the, the players, but the fans. They rattled that stadium with a game-opening touchdown yeah like, they nope, rattled I agree. everybody and not they only got that in everybody's head including the fans which definitely fucked everybody up dude yeah and then not only that but just the way they just methodically went down the field it was like pass run pass run, pass run. and it was like a dude. balanced attack oh my just god slowly going down the field and then kind of having their way with them and then uh Dak prescott uh, and CeeDee Lamb and McCarthy are having this weird energy with each other, like oh, yeah. almost from the start. And you then saw, how many times did you see Dak and CD like Dak yelling at him, CD like just turning away? And I'm like, Yeah. Ooh, and ooh. then he throws uh Dak throws the pick six and trying to force CD the ball in literally triple coverage. Like that Dude. was a terrible throw, but you could yeah. sense it I was all it. because of how weird that energy was between them cd lamb still had a great game nine receptions 110 yards gallup six receptions 103 yards ferguson 10 receptions 93 yards but again almost all those numbers come in garbage time when you're already down what 30 or 40 points to 20 like yeah did you see that the the halftime show the panel of all the all the coaches and all the players. Oh, with uh, Jimmy Johnson going off on them. Yeah, yeah. Did, that was. Did you see Jimmy Johnson? Oh, dude, and <laughs> that was that came from a real place. That yeah. came from a real place, dude. But again, I think oh, hey. <laughs> that was uh, it. Just made me laugh. Sorry. Uh, do you think Casino with the Cowboys losing the the way they did? Do you think this is a team that goes after Belichick? Uh, they would be dumb 
if they didn't, in my opinion. Do you think and, it's a, a realistic landing spot for Belichick? I, I don't, don't think with the Jerry I don't Jones Bel- dynamic. No, I don't think Belichick would do it because of Jerry Jones, but do you, I think Jerry Jones would try to tame Belichick. I think he's got the balls to try, but I True. that's not going to work. Yeah, uh, I, I, I that's what I truly think is going to happen. Belichick wants to go somewhere where he has full control. It's not going to work with Jerry Jones, who wants full control. Which, speaking of that, everybody's out in Dallas. Everybody's gone. Which is which is weird that you said that because as of Tuesday at two p.m., which is when we're recording this, mm-hmm. no Eagles coaches have been fired. No Cowboys coaches have been fired. Which I feel like is weird. It's weird. <sighs> I think they're right? trying to move. It's I think weird. they're trying to move, uh, figure some money things out because, dude, there's no way both any of those coaching staff stays. Anyone, no. none of them. And then uh, for the Packers Casino, uh, oh, especially going too. into Dallas and doing the sh- the the way they did, we for everyone forgets. I bring this up constantly because obviously I'm a 49ers hater. The 49ers are a team that if you score on them first, you they almost always lose the game. So for for this Packers team to go down the field and score on the Cowboys in the opening drive they did. They're going to do the same thing if they win the toss. Yeah, what if all of a sudden you're looking at a Packers team that's up 10-0 against a 49ers team that is a night and day difference to when they have to be when they have to come back instead of when they're a front runner, right? Like then are we seeing a repeat of this performance next week where it's all of a sudden this scrappy youngest team ever to make it to the playoffs is all of a sudden beating two of the top defenses in the league back-to-back weeks in their houses. Mm-hmm. Like that's interesting. But well, as far it. as Dallas, I'm sure we'll spend all off season talking about the coaching hires and what happened here, but gone, I think, no, I think he's there. I don't know. We'll 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 talk about that another time, Casino, because we have to talk about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Tampa Bay winning 32 to 9 to end this terrible Eagle season that frankly, as an Eagles fan, I'm just glad is over because if I had to watch this team another week, I would drive myself fucking insane. Uh 32 to 9. I already did a 32 one minute rant on it that you can go listen to. So your side of what happened in this uh, game casino. Put myself on mute uh, for a second. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just, I saw a team that went into the game already defeated. Like they just seemed defeated. They didn't, at least on the defensive side, at least on the yeah. defensive side. Um, and outside of Smith making a couple long catches, there was really nothing going going good for the offense. I know Jalen hurt had his fingers hurt, but I mean, when you throw that out the window, when he makes that first long pass down to Smith. So like I threw that out the window. Um, I don't know, man. They just, they just gave up. I feel like this well, team just gave up. And um, Hertz had a pretty damn good game. 25 for 35, 250 did. yards, one touchdown. He, he had an did, average but... time to pass of two seconds. Yeah. It so... was not good. That line gave up. That line gave up, man. Uh, by the well, way, my kid is belting yeah, we're out. We're gonna screaming. get out of here uh, in a couple minutes or in like. Uh, Baker Mayfield, he cooked. He looked fucking awesome. I've said it all season. I love Baker in Tampa. Fucking love it. Yeah. I love it. Three hundred thirty-seven yards. His career around. 
three touchdowns. I mean, he had, uh, and again, uh, he had Cade Otten, uh, Otten, their tight end, had 11 targets, but then he spread the ball around to pretty much everybody. He was cooking. He was picking apart that uh, terrible 32nd-ranked Eagles defense. Uh Again, the Eagles have not had an answer to the blitz for the past month. So then shockingly, every team they play just blitzes the shit out of them and it completely destroys their offense. And then they did one slant pass, which got them 40 yards, which is how you beat uh, nickel blitzes. And then all of a sudden that one slant worked and then they never did another slant again the rest of the game, which tells you everything you need to know about what a shit offensive coordinator Brian Johnson is. Uh, we will be back on Friday and I pray that we have some news about some coaching changes on my team, the Eagles. I don't know if I'm fully. And if, if we're feeling antsy, coach. we might uh, do a quick one tomorrow. Uh, there's a lot of other sports going on in the world and we want to start talking about it, especially with football being almost over. Uh, and there's been some yeah. great things happening in NBA, not too much in the NHL, but definitely in the NBA. Uh, we want to get to those. So, uh, yeah. Um, but, yeah. And Take then us on we'll out also here. be back Friday to pick uh, a very interesting divisional round. Oh, uh, I'm not going to play it safe anymore. I know. Like, there's this season, I don't know why you keep playing it safe, because there's upsets every week where we're like, oh, we should have seen that coming. But... Uh, if you want to listen to a more in-depth take of Eagles Buccaneers, I go through basically everything yesterday. Oh, I'm I'll, going I'll, you to. know what? I, like, it surprised me. I was at work and you're like, I did a 30 minute cast. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, oh, okay. Okay. You know what? I said it was going to be YouTube exclusive. This episode short enough. So when you asked me if I was working last end. night, I thought you were going to see if I, you were going to come down and like hang out with me. But no, no, it was because so you could do a pod. I needed to rant. Yeah. Uh, And also in that podcast, I recorded it last night. I'm wearing the same shirt because I wore it to bed because it was right before I went to sleep. And then I just woke up and here we are. So it'll look like the only thing that changes, I'm wearing a beanie. But I'll put that at the end of this podcast uh, so you can listen to that. Uh, If not, you can go check out that video separately. And this is the end of this episode, Casino. I'm Will. That's Casino over there. We'll see you later in the week to talk about, as Casino said, NBA, NHL, and then the divisional round. So this has been the Only Sports Podcast. Adios. Obviously, I am here to talk about the game that just happened as I'm recording this. It's about 9 p.m. on the West Coast. So literally just wrapped up probably about 10, 20 minutes ago. And yeah, I just wanted to come on here. I know me and Casino will uh, talk about this uh, on the next podcast. But yeah, just want to get my thoughts on this game just as an Eagles fan. Obviously just got done watching it. Uh, Me and Casino, I mean, our picks were trash for all the playoff games. But I think that goes for a lot of people. I think uh, tomorrow on the podcast we'll talk about... How really nobody had the Texans. I think we were both dumb for picking the uh, Dolphins over the Chiefs, especially when we found out what the weather would be because we've seen Miami in those type of weathers countless times, especially Tua. Uh, The Green Bay-Dallas game obviously was shocking, and I don't think a lot of people saw that coming. I mean, Casino had the Packers winning, but... He didn't predict it was going to be a blowout. We thought that would be a close game. Lions-Rams was pretty much what everybody thought it would be, you know, a back-and-forth one-point game. Same with Buffalo Steelers. Buffalo dominates, blah, blah, blah. 
So now we get to the game that I wanted to talk about and why I'm recording this right now. Uh, instant, you know, reaction, whatever. And that is the Buccaneers uh, winning against the Philadelphia Eagles, 32 to nine. Now, obviously I was angry during this game as an Eagles fan, but there's a difference between being angry, uh, like angry, shocked and angry, for seeing the same things that have basically been happening for a month, right? Everybody knows the story with this team. If you don't, let me give it a quick recap. They started 10 and one. The, you know, season after the Super Bowl, I think, I believe it was the best start by a team that has ever come off. uh, I believe either winning or losing the Super Bowl, just off a Super Bowl season, the best a team has ever done 10 and one. And then obviously they go one in five to finish out the regular season and then lose to the Buccaneers uh, in the wild card round of the playoffs. Now, during the season, especially the last couple of weeks, they had basically chances to lock up the one seed. They blew it. They had chances to lock up the two seed. They blew it. They had chances to win their division. They blew it right in the past six weeks. I mean, I, if you listen to this podcast or if this is your first time after the Seattle after, well, let's go back even further after the Buffalo bills game where they won that game in overtime. I think that was probably between that and the dolphins game was the best two games they played all season and looked like remnants of the super bowl team. Right. But then What happened after that is they played that Seattle Seahawks Monday night game where Buffalo Bills game after that game, I was 100% in, right? I was like, this team, best in the league. Everybody's, uh, even when they were 10 and one saying they were frauds, blah, 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 blah. But I was like, no, ride or die with this team. Then the next couple weeks happened and it was really that Monday night game where it was just like, oh, this team is giving up just across the board, right? It seems the coaches have no idea what they're doing. I mean, we'll get to the coordinators, but most importantly, this team feels like it's giving up on Nick Sirianni. You kind of, instead of hearing motivational things or, you know, players talking about what they could do better, what they could, couldn't do better. It was just platitudes of things that where it's just like, well, you got to take one one game at a time, got to be better. And then you're just like, okay, but you're not addressing any of the issues. And then shockingly enough, that progressed and progressed and progressed until you got to the perfect storm, which was this Buccaneers game. I mean, even earlier than that, the perfect storm was last week against the Giants where A.J. Brown gets hurt. They decide to start the starters for half the game for no reason at all. There was no there was no chance that the Cowboys were losing to that commander's team when the commanders basically punted on their season after they traded away everybody. And they're, you know, they had a lame duck coach and everything like that. So there's no way the Cowboys are losing that game in the last week of the regular season. So why do you have any of the starters in? AJ Brown gets hurt and he wouldn't have been a factor in this game. There's no there's no way that A.J. Brown being in this game all of a sudden makes this game competitive or anything because it was all, all on the protection, which 
Last three weeks, we've seen them play the Giants twice, and all the Giants did to disrupt this Eagles offense was just blitz them. Not even like a disguise blitz, not even a, you know, something where it's like, who's blitzing? I don't know. Literally showing they're going to blitz and then just blitzing. And then what did we see as viewers in this Eagles-Buccaneers team, or this Eagles-Buccaneers game, I'm sorry? Literally all the Buccaneers did was just show oh, we're going to blitz everybody. And then the Eagles had no answer whatsoever. And again, that's now we can start talking about the coordinators because this team clearly gave up on the coaching, right? Like it's fairly obvious. I think everybody was kind of over Nick Sirianni's demeanor, swagger, uh, mindset, whatever you want to just Nick Sirianni. They're over that right? Everybody you can kind of feel, especially in this game, is over the Jalen Hurts kind of like, oh, I don't like just like the who gives a shit? We're just we're just playing a football game, like never high, never low, Uh, which I think that has more to do with just having a rough season, right? Because and that's as a team, I still think Jalen Hurts on the season, he wasn't as good as he was last season, but he was still a top 10 quarterback in this league this season, especially with what he's able to do on the ground, running. He throws one of the most beautiful deep balls in the league. His, uh, I really think his ball placement and his ball accuracy are on point. But again, tonight, you can try to pin this game all you want on him. They showed us, they showed a graphic in this game where he had two seconds to throw the ball. I don't care if you're Patrick Mahomes. I don't care if you're Tom Brady. I don't care if you're whatever quarterback you want to put in that, uh, you know, mix. If you have one to two seconds to throw every single play and none of your wide receivers or tight ends or running backs are getting into space or getting any separation whatsoever because your play designs are so bad, you're not, you're going to have a game like he did tonight where really the only bad, 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 bad play I thought that he did was the safety. Because he took that safety after avoiding two defenders. And then in, when you're avoiding two defenders in the end zone, get the ball out of your hands, right? I'm not saying make a Superman throw. I'm not saying, you know, play hero ball and try to complete a pass. Throw the ball away. You're in the end zone. You've avoided two defenders. And then that was the turning point of the game. I mean, up until that point, it was a seven-point game. And I thought... Eagles are hanging around in this. So when you have two seconds to throw and you're in the end zone and you've already avoided two defenders, why are you trying to make a play instead of just throwing the ball out of bounds and living to fight another down? That was the turning point of the game where now all of a sudden it becomes a two possession game immediately. I mean, shockingly, when the Eagles started to be bad, I said the three players I never want to see on the field again are James Bradbury, gave up two touchdowns in this game, Uh, Quez Watkins, who was the number two wide receiver in this game and did absolutely nothing when all week it was him trying to do this like hype thing where it's like, I asked uh, Jalen Hurts, what should I do? And he said, you know, answer the call, blah, 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 or whatever the hell he said, Uh, non-existent. 
but even when he is in the game and existent, he does stuff like in the biggest games in the Super Bowl where he drops a wide open pass that would have changed that game. So he was non-existent. And then you have Kenneth Gainwell, who was basically the reason for that safety, who tries to gain a yard or instead of gaining a yard on a rush that is just going nowhere, he decides to run backwards at the five yard line and lose six yards on a, to try to run from the right or to the, yeah, to the right side back to the left and then gets tackled for a six yard loss when he could have had a one yard gain. Again, the three worst players on, this team who literally cost the Eagles games, Quez Watkins, uh, James Bradbury, and Kenneth Gainwell all did things in this game that would make you as a fan of the team be like, why is this person on this team? Why are they in the position they're in where they're go-to options? I mean, for how many weeks have we just heard the uh, Eagles offense doesn't know how to handle the blitz? They don't know how to handle the blitz for weeks now, a month. That's been the narrative. And then guess what? In a playoff game, they don't know how to handle the blitz. Uh, We've also heard, oh, the Eagles offensive play calling is really predictable. For a month now, we've been hearing that. And then what happens? It's predictable. And you have people on TV, commentators being like, oh, they do this out of this play. And then that happens. So if you have... People, I mean, I've been able to call plays from the couch because of what they're lined up in. So if you have fans who know little to nothing about putting together an offensive scheme, for me, nothing. If you have announcers who watch football every week and they can tell what play you're going to run, what makes you think the defense is not going to know what play you're going to run? And then you have, you know, the just greatest play caller ever which is brian johnson who has never met a third and long he uh doesn't think he can win with a screen pass when you have some maybe the worst group in the league of getting any type of separation or space from their defenders so let's talk about brian johnson and then we'll get to matt patricia and sean desai but brian johnson been in the nfl for three years and has done what to qualify him to be an offensive coordinator? He, oh, I'll answer that question for you. Uh, he knows Jalen Hurts. That's it. That's that's the list of accomplishments apparently it takes to be the Eagles offensive coordinator. I mean, at every job I've had, it's always been the worst employee or the one who does the least amount of work is always the one given the job by someone that you also work with, right? Like that's why movies suck now. That's why TV has a a real wide chasm of really good and really bad because it's all written and directed and starring people who, whose parents were famous, whose parents were talented. And then you just have, you know, them just being ushered into the spotlight with nothing to qualify them to be in the spotlight except who they know right? It's nepotism. So this is nepotism without being related. This is even worse than nepotism because it's literally like, he's not even my blood. He's just this guy I know. He's just this friend of mine. Hey, can you give him a job? Like, oh yeah, we're a season removed from 
uh, one play potentially away from winning the Super Bowl. So let's lose both of our uh, coordinators. I mean, Gannon, I give him a lot of um, guff on the show, but at least he could put together a defensive scheme that put pressure on the opposing quarterback. His back end, uh, you know, safety and corner and linebacker schemes were as bad as the Eagles are now, but at least he had a dominant front four. At least he had a dominant, you know, I'll even give him front seven. Let's say he had a dominant front seven and a bad back end, but you can have a bad back end when the opposing quarterback has no time to throw, right? So we'll give him a little a little credit where credit is due. But And then Shane Steichen, who I loved last year, and I thought the offense last year was exciting. It was dynamic. It was fresh. It was the reason why that team went to the Super Bowl and had a amazing offense. The offense this year was Brian Johnson. Again, friend of a guy is why he was qualified for the job who does the same four plays over and over again. I mean, tonight they were calling offensive plays where wide receivers, tight ends, running backs were in motion. And it was like shocking. I was like, oh my God, there's people moving pre-snap. What is this? And then as the game progressed, it got back to the screen play or got back to the screen passes to the out routes when it's, third and 15 to pick up two right when it's uh third and eight let's go uh, five away from the first down marker so it's all just short intermediate passing routes that are well short and designed away from the first down marker which is great play design and again this has been going on all season but this eagles roster was so stacked that they were overcoming bad coaching Okay, and then Sean Desai, bad defensive coordinator. Everybody's trying to give him his flowers as if what he was doing before was great. No, he was a bottom half of the league defensive coordinator. And then all of a sudden, Matt Patricia comes in. He finds a diamond in the rough with kind of two rookie cornerbacks having great games when they're out there. And instead of going with that and making some tough decisions on personnel and actually changing the defense, instead he just goes, what's what ain't broke, uh, we ain't going to try to fix. So instead of doing man or cover two or blitzes or anything like that, let's just sit in zone all day uh, with our linebackers who can't cover and our cornerback two uh, named James Bradbury, who every I text this to my friend Casino. Maybe you've heard of him. He's the co-host on this podcast. I text him to this at the start of the game. I said, watch for any bad defensive plays or uh, big moments to happen against James Bradbury. Right off the bat. First two touchdowns of the game. I mean, it. we'll talk about that when me and Casino talk about it. We'll talk about that egregious holding call that gave the Bucks the first touchdown, but whatever. That's It's not like that would have helped them, or the Eagles, that is. But first, first touchdown of the game, James Bradbury. Second touchdown of the game after the safety, James Bradbury. Interesting. It's almost like he's a liability and shouldn't be out there and is probably the fifth or sixth best corner on your team that actually surprisingly has pretty good corners, given that two of them are rookies and playing lights out when they were asked to play. So 
Then you come into this game, Sydney Brown's out for the season. Um, uh, Reed Blankenship's out for the game. AJ Brown's out for the game. So you have two big secondary pieces. You have your biggest offensive weapon out of the game. So instead of trying to, I don't know, get other people involved. Let's try. Let's see if our passing game has an issue. Why don't we try as the fifth best rushing team in the league to run the ball? No, of course not. Start of the third quarter. It's 21 passes to five rushes or something like that. No balance whatsoever. No attempt to establish a running game. You gash this same team with also on Monday night football a couple of weeks ago for 200 yards, right? Let's not even try that. I mean, why would we, right? And then for the defense, it's our linebackers are a liability in coverage, and so is James Bradbury. So let's put them on every offensive uh, possession by the Buccaneers to show that they're a liability. So that's why you see completions over the middle. That's why you see every touchdown happen against James Bradbury. It's just like I, as a stupid fan, And that's just what I am, right? I know nothing about football except what I watch and have picked up through my fandom, okay? It's not like I study the game or grind the All-22 or any of that, right? I just watch the games and uh, have a medium-sized brain. Let's just give it that, okay? I'm not even trying to act smart or say anything like this, but I'm an idiot, right? That's what I'm trying to say. I'm an idiot, and I know where our weak points are. So then you have smart football people planning against your team. So if the idiot on the podcast who knows nothing knows your weaknesses, why do you think they're not going to be exploited? Okay. And they were for a month, for a week, for a month and a half for this game. And then it comes down to the narrative wrapped around this was like, oh man, what an epic collapse by the Eagles. They were 10 and one, and then they went one and five and lost their first playoff game, blah, blah, blah. Every analyst or sports talking media personality, blah, blah, picked the Buccaneers to win. The Eagles have been labeled a fraud for two months. They were labeled frauds when they were 10 and one. Like this, this is, this is not similar to the Cowboy situation at all. Because nobody, nobody going into these playoffs legitimately thought the Eagles were going to be a Super Bowl team or a contender to go to the Super Bowl. Everybody thought the Bucs win, would win or, like I did, I thought the Eagles would squeak by this game and then get annihilated by whoever they played next round, right? Not in my wildest dreams did I think this Eagles team with what I've seen this season would go to the Super Bowl. And that's coming from an Eagles fan. People who were not Eagles fans have been calling this Eagles team fraud since week two. So to act like now this narrative is this was a 10 and one team and they had this epic collapse and they were supposed to go back to the Super Bowl. It's like literally no one has ever said that. And they lost this game exactly how they've lost every other game for the past month. The team looks like they don't care anymore. The coaching is bad. Now let's talk about Matt Patricia. Sean Desai has a 25th ranked defense going into the easy stretch of the schedule against the Giants, Seahawks, Cardinals, and then Giants again. So the team makes the switch, which I was in favor of. 
Because again, I was tired of seeing the defense. Again, I wish they would have also made a switch on the offensive side. But again, Brian Johnson, he's been in the NFL for two whole years and he knows Jalen Hurts. So we have to give him, I mean, we have to give him a prestigious job within the organization, right? He can't just be the quarterback's coach or the trainer or the water boy. He has to be calling the offensive plays because, you know, we need six offensive plays to choose from every game, whether it be a quarterback draw or a wide receiver screen or four verticals or what have you. So then we get Matt Patricia in who first game in, I actually thought he did a pretty good job. I was like, I like this defense. He's got the rookie corners in Eli Ricks. And I can't remember the other name, but both great right after the game. And then I came on this podcast and I was like, Hey, defense actually looked pretty good, even though they lost the game. And then all of a sudden, it just fell apart. Uh, we're putting Hassan Reddick in, you know, let's not have our best pass rusher actually be a pass rusher, and let's just put him in zone coverage where he's getting exposed. Let's take Shaquille Leonard from the Colts, who's already washed, and have him running against 21-year-old running backs in open space, right, to try to cover him. Like, just dumb, dumb. And you every time you watch an Eagles game, You can read comments about it. You can see it on screen. You can hear the announcer say it. Again, it's obvious to everyone. Everyone on defense always looks out of position. Not on a play here or there. Every single play, it looks like they're out of position. Luckily, there's good players on this team on offense or defense. So again, they can sometimes overcome bad coaching. And that's what happened. You give this team a little momentum and they can go on a run like when they were 10 and one. But when the house of cards falls, everyone looks like the Joker, right? In terms of cards, because everyone starts playing like they don't know what they're supposed to be doing. Again, that comes to coaching. So do I want Nick Sirianni uh, gone? I wouldn't be opposed to it. I mean, we got rid of Doug Peterson and he won a Super Bowl. And a Doug Peterson coach team never looked as bad as this Nick Sirianni coach team. And then you think he probably lost the locker room. I would bet to dollars to donuts he did. And then, but when it comes to Nick Sirianni, you can make the case for me to keep him or get rid of him. I'm torn. For offensive and defensive coordinators, fire everyone on both sides of those ball, um, both sides of the ball. And get new, just get new coaching staffs over everybody. And that's why I would say I'd probably be more leaning towards get rid of Nick Sirianni, bring in a Mike Vrabel, bring in a Bill Belichick, have them bring in new defensive and offensive coordinators, and then we'll go from there. Because this team is too talented and has too much talent on it. In again, what was a season that appears to be pretty wide open, especially from what we've seen from the Texans or the Packers or, you know, what the Browns did at the end of the season, what the Steelers were doing at the end of the season. It felt like this year and probably next year, maybe the next two, who knows? It feels like the NFL's open, right? Like the NFL playoffs are wide open. All you have to do is get to the playoffs and then just go from there, right? So, this went longer than I thought it would, but I just had to do an Eagles rant. Uh, I'm not, I'm not, again, there's been games where I've been mad that we lost. This one, from the get-go, I was like, we're losing this game because of the 
all the reasons I just said. I'm not mad because I didn't think this team would go anywhere, right? I thought farthest I thought they could go was barely squeak out this game and then lose horribly next week. That was the end cap. I never saw a scenario where they were going to the NFC Championship, let alone the Super Bowl. So this, but this narrative that like, oh, this is a worse loss than Dallas. It's like the Dallas loss. It's like how there were legitimate football analysts picking Dallas to go to the Super Bowl. Nobody was picking this Eagles team to go anywhere. What are we like now? But now we're trying to be like, they was such a bad loss. This was the favorite. And then it was like, I've seen what Cowherd did his top 10 playoff teams. The Eagles weren't even on it. Like there's, well, it's just, uh, again, I get more upset about the narrative and the rewriting history after something like this than what the game actually happened. Because I'm pretty sure you can go back and listen to our last podcast. I was like, I think the Eagles will win, but I'm not, I wouldn't be shocked if they lost. And I'm not shocked. I mean, half at halftime, I was like, oh, maybe they could do this. They're only down by a touchdown. They get the ball back. And then the safety happens. And before even the touchdown, after the safety happened, once the safety happened, I just threw my hands up and I was like, that's it. It's done. There's no way they're coming back for this. Then they're down by 16. They kick a field goal. And then there's a penalty. And then it's fourth and five. And they do one of the worst fourth and five attempts you're ever going to see. Does not happen. And then it's just like, oh, Bucks get the ball. And now it's 16. And now they go right down the field. And then it's just like, okay, well, yeah. Uh, I haven't seen a lot of bad Jalen Hurts games that I would literally put the blame on him. And this is not one of them, but that this game was not on him. Again, I think the protection and picking up the blitz and whatever the hell was happening on defense were the issues. Hurts, the only play in this game that I put solely on his shoulders is the uh, that safety. I mean, he held onto that ball so long in dangerous territory. It was shocking. Shocking that a quarterback at any level would think that's a good idea to not just throw it away when you've already avoided two defenders. Uh, but no, I'm just, the silver lining is thank God. I don't have to watch this team again this year. Hopefully next year they get in a Vrabel or a Belichick, or they keep Sirianni and just get different offensive coordinators and defensive coordinators. As long as they can keep the core together of Hurts, this offensive line. Kelsey's going to probably retire, which is going to be a huge loss. But the other guys on the offensive line, you got weapons on the defense. Again, I like the young cornerbacks. I like what I've seen from Sidney Brown. I would like Reed Blankenship to be in select plays. I don't think you should ever put him as uh, in coverage. I think he's a great tackling safety. So if you want to bring him up in the box as a sub linebacker or something like that, I don't know. Uh, but Again, I like the pieces on this Eagles team. I think with the right coaching, you get a season like last year where this is a team capable of going to the Super Bowl. Now, capable of winning it is another story, but I think with the right coaches calling the plays, I mean, how many times did we hear it this season where it was like announcers, the Manning cast, uh, people online, you know, the sports media just shocked by how egregious the play calling on both sides of the ball were. Like, there were football pros offended by how bad the offensive play calling and defensive play calling were, right? Like, 
literally offended, not just like this bad defense, this bad offense, offended that there are people calling these plays, which I think is the biggest red flag about what happened this season. So I would not be shocked if tomorrow morning, obviously I'm recording this Monday night right after the game, but tomorrow morning on a Tuesday, I would not be shocked if Casino and I are doing the next episode of Only Sports Podcast and we're not talking about this Eagle staff being fired, wiped out, whatever. But yeah, this was just Will from the Only Sports Podcast opinions on his Eagles losing to the Tampa Bay and just what a weird season it was. What a weird season. Highest of highs, lowest of lows. I wouldn't say highest of highs. Probably medium highs, very, very dark lows. But this, honestly, this isn't even the darkest low of the season. And I know this season just ended, but that uh, losing to the Cardinals was probably my rock bottom of the season. So everything after that's kind of just been almost an improvement.